Getting ready to steal in late in the day and win the game late on. Welcome to Hand of Pod. was because we had quite a few late goals in the weekend just gone and we shall get to talking about them in just a minute but first of all allow me to introduce myself I'm Sam Kelly and my partner for the evening in, in the world of podcasting is Andres Bruckner hello everyone it's just the two of us this evening that you're stuck with I'm afraid listeners um, nobody else could make it they decided that we smell or something I don't know um, none of them wanted to come basically Good. so without further ado could be because of the start of the autumn here in, in the descent of the temperature. Yeah, maybe it's got too cold for them to leave their houses. Um, it is down to a distinctly chilly feeling, 16 degrees Celsius today in Buenos Aires, which has got lots of people wearing jackets and thick heavy jeans and stuff. It's most amusing to an English person who's used to slightly colder temperatures than that. Anyway, um, before we get going, we shall mention, as ever, that we are drinking Fernet, provided to us by the Argentina Independent, a wonderful English language news and cultural website, um, a source of, of lovely things from Argentina and across Latin America. You can keep up to date with them free of charge on argentinaindependent.com. So go and check them out, and thank you very much to them for the drinks. And now, as we have been doing every week so far this year, I shall run through very quickly before we get started the scores from the weekend that have just passed. So here we go. On Friday, we had two matches and they ended Newell's Old Boys 1, Quilmes 1, and Lanús 2, Gimnasia La Plata 0. On Saturday, Colón 0, Tigre 1, Vélez Sarsfield 1, Belgrano 2, Independiente 4, Arsenal 0. Yes, you heard that right, Independiente kept a clean sheet. Huracán 4, Argentinos 0, Sarmiento 2, Crucero del Norte 1. And then on Sunday we had Atlético de Rafaela 1, Rosario Central 1, Estudiantes de la Plata 1, Banfield 2, Defensa Justicia 1, Racing Club 1, River Plate 1, Godoy Cruz 0, yes, River Plate kept a clean sheet as well, and San Martín 1, Boca Juniors 1, and then there were three games on Monday, those finished Nueva Chicago 0, San Lorenzo de Almagro 1, Aldo CV 3, Unión de Santa Fe 3, and Tempele 0, Olimpo de Bahia Blanca 0. I'm just going to turn the sensitivity on the microphone down because the fridge has just switched the motor on and uh, you'll be overhearing that. So from now, we'll have to speak up slightly. The plus side is that you won't be able to hopefully hear me breathing quite as heavily as I think I could just hear myself in the speakers doing that. Andres, for you, which matches stood out the weekend that we've just seen? Well, it's it's just uh, it's fair to say that uh, the, the coaches of both teams, of Aldo Civi and the... Uh, um, and the Union were a bit like with were not at ease with the result because it was three three, but I think it was in terms of of goal possibilities and and uh, of course uh, goal scoring because it was there were six goals in that match I think it was uh, uh, unlikely because of the of the of the rivals of the of the teams 
that uh, Alusivi Union both uh, recently promoted teams that uh, couldn't have been done such a good match, but I think it was uh, did for me best or one of the best matches. Yeah, we've had some feedback about uh, one of the things that certainly I have been saying in the last couple of weeks, and uh, which, at any rate, you and Peter and you and Santi haven't been um, disagreeing with me particularly strongly on, so I'm going to say that it's the Hand of Pod uh, collective saying it, rather than just me, um, which is that the the newly promoted teams aren't really good enough for the Primera. And we had a couple of tweets last week from... Who was it? Let me just remind myself... Ah, uh, yeah, from Robert Brown. Uh, that's not the Rob Brown who's been on Hand of Pod in the past uh, when he was in Buenos Aires last year. It's a different Rob Brown, um, but he's called the same thing. Um, and he said that he reckons that we were being slightly harsh on the newly promoted teams. Um, he did mention that Samiento versus Crucero del Norte doesn't help his argument at all. It didn't, it was pretty poor. And another match that didn't help his argument at all uh, was the very last match of the round between Tempele and Olimpo. Uh, who admittedly are not both newly promoted sides because Olimpo, it's very difficult to remember, but they are an established Primera side. Um, but it was a supernaturally boring match. Um, but matches, we've had a couple of matches this weekend just gone which were between two newly promoted sides Huracan versus Argentinos, San Riento versus Crucero del Norte, um, and there's one other one, I think, uh, Aldo Civi Union, of course. Um, and they were sort of varying degrees of. From very dull, although Samiento Crucero del Norte did have a winner and it had three goals, and in fact a late goal, um, it was a bit of a weird match because it was a very low standard throughout, in spite of all of that. Um, to thoroughly one-sided in the case of Huracan Argentinos, except it wasn't really one-sided. Yes. It was more a case well, of Huracan, everything they hit went in. Well, we have to take that into account also to uh, determine whether a match is good because the strikers are, are, are tremendously, tremendously good or the defense is awful mm. because sometimes you say you you end up uh, giving giving value to the goals and, and well of course if, if there were six goals or more in a match that could mean that that the strikers or or the or the both teams were brilliant on on, on their attacks but also that they that were awful in their defense uh, but I think Union, in specifically talking about re- newly promoted teams, yeah, I have been following them. Uh, of course, when they play against River, that they turned uh, uh, were back from the zero to nil two results, and they ended up uh, drawing that match. And I, I think, for me, of course, by my very own opinion, is one of the best of those teams, a group of newly promoted teams with. Some players that uh, perhaps have been playing in the uh, minor divisions, but they don't, uh, they aren't feeling the 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 jump to the first one. Uh, like for example, Malcora, one of the score of one of, yeah. of two of the three goals from Union Tiberio, who have been have been playing for Argentina Juniors when Caruso Lombardi was the coach of that team. Admittedly, Argentinos didn't look yes. like much of a Primera side at that yes. point, but um, they were, <laughs> technically at least. Or, or Gamba, one of... They, they have two or three players that are, are showing interesting things. And for me, it's... I, I uh, Again, it's my opinion, one of the things that offer a, a better uh, football, of course, for the neutral 
is a supporter or, or fan. So they're also they remain one of five teams who are still unbeaten in this Primera so far. We will uh, talk about exactly why that is in a short while. Uh, it's a slightly less impressive record than it sounds when you look into their actual won and drawn and lost column. Um, but yeah, Union perhaps are, a, a, are an exception. Um, and I suppose in a way we shouldn't really be surprised that teams like Samiento and Crucero del Norte between themselves can produce a, a match with, with a few goals and, and a little bit of late drama at least. I mean, they're teams after all who are roughly on the same level as one another. You know, uh, my my point at least is more that they're not on the same level as what should be the Primera um, more than anything else um, but Huracan Argentinos was a really bizarre match because if you look at the, the statistics and if you were watching the match ignoring the goals it seemed to be fairly even you know Argentinos created pretty much as much as Huracan did they had more so, or less you know it's not like Argentinos shots were all coming from 30 yards out they were they were from fairly decent positions themselves, but Argentinos couldn't score. And Huracan, Ramon Avila got a hat-trick. And um, uh, Flores... Oh, Flores. Yes, Ogon. Uh, pardon? Own goal from Flores. Yes, it was an own yeah. goal. I'm trying to remember his first name. Franco. Franco Flores scored the own goal for the other, which was... I, I think Avila wanted to claim it as well, but there's no way it was. Um, one one who's very, very bad uh, would say... Well, Flores means flowers so you we, you can send him flowers from to the graveyard because <laughs> but uh, talking seriously I think uh, well in, in that case you can you can talk about the accuracy of the of the strikers in this case mm. one Chope Avila because if the match was even but there was four goals difference uh, he was one of the of clearly man of the match and and, and I think it was talked or we, we talked very little about that in the last episode, that um, for the big five or the big teams, in order to uh, advance in the tournament, that it will be it will depend on when they play against the, these teams like Sarmiento, the Junín, Crucero del Norte, Temperley, for example, who I, th- I, I thought if they would be better at this moment, at this point of the tournament, mm. uh, because they won against Banfield, they... They made a very decent match against Racing, losing it to one only. But uh, since then, they've really yes. dropped off uh, Tempoli in, in in that case. Um, Tempoli did indeed, of course, claim that win against Banfield on the opening weekend with the late free kick, and that was the last time that they won. Um, and on Monday night, I mean, the match against Olimpo was just dire. I think there were something like three attempts in the whole game. I mean, two for Temple and one for Olimpo or something, and none of them were on target. It was just a dreadful, dreadful match. But Olimpo has been doing this, or having this uh, performance since last year, and he's like continue going on with that uh, level, uh, this this tournament. Uh, of course, they, they play the way away from, from Temple, but uh, I think that he could have been done something better. Uh, from a against a, that against again against a newly promoted team that isn't showing very much, uh, and, and I thought they would have been better. But moving away from the newly promoted sides for a minute and uh, not sticking our, our boots in quite so much. Well, I suppose we are continuing to stick the boots in. Actually, in a way, I wanted to go to one of the matches between two of the more established Primera sides, Independiente, um, who of course. Are, just been back in the Primera in fact for just over six months but they are 
in reality, a fairly well-established top division side, having had a century in the first division prior to that one season in the second, um, against Arsenal, they sat on the... I think more of a story uh, than Independiente's four goals is the fact that they kept a clean sheet. It was their, I think, fourth clean sheet since they won promotion. So in their 25th game. Um, we've talked many, many, many times... Um, on this podcast, particularly when Peter, who's the Independiente fan, is here with us, about why they're so crap in defence. And they've actually managed to keep a clean sheet. Now, obviously, Peter isn't here to to hold up their side of the argument, so we want to make sure, first of all, we do give them some credit for this. But does it say as much as anything about what a bad attack Arsenal had that they couldn't score even against Independiente? The second match uh, with Silva as the striker, or no, I don't know if this was the. I think it was his debut, wasn't it? No, no, the, the debut, but his debut in the starting lineup, I think, not the his absolute debut. I think the last match was ha, ha, had some minutes. Ripper? Yes, he played some some minutes last last match, and and this one was the the, the starting lineup, the striker. No, 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 it was his debut. He wasn't oh, in the squad no. for the, the previous match. I think he'd only signed for them the previous day. Um, so yeah, it was his debut. Um, it does mean as well Arsenal's defence is seriously falling apart. They used to be built on good defence, and they have lost, uh, they conceded, sorry, seven goals in the last two matches now because there was of course the three-three draw to River, and then losing four-nil to Independiente. Um, but that kind of result for Independiente, when they already knew that they had a decent um, attack. It's got to help them in terms of at least getting some confidence in for the defence, hasn't it? In, you know, getting some, gaining a bit of confidence with the goalkeeper and a bit of understanding. I'm not going to suggest that they might now go on a run of not conceding for a long time because we've seen how they defend and that would be a very foolhardy thing to say. Um, but this has to has to provide a, a platform for them, doesn't it? Perhaps slightly yes. more than a 4-1 or a 4-2 might have done, although the performance might have been just as impressive. Yes, but I think that the key in this case is uh, the way that the the strikers were assisted by their their teammates. Uh, well, Manquesho is of, of course brilliant the way he puts the ball in the in the, in the angle uh, with Albertengo assisting him. Uh, then Riano just a minute into the game as well. Yeah, yes. uh, they went one Jesus Mendes doing a brilliant job assisting, which wasn't so common or so usual uh, some matches ago mm. so I think that the key for at least uh, scoring four times was that and scoring at the very first minute was like a very a knockout uh, punch for, for, for Arsenal because uh, I think that they, they 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 never go and look for the, for the result from the from the beginning but uh, conceding one uh, when they are starting, uh, yes, first, first, second minute is, is yeah, scary. it shoots in the foot straight away. They're normal, particularly away from home. The plan of keeping it tight and, and looking for what they can get. Um, so we had that early goal. We've also, as I mentioned at the start of the game, we had a podcast. We had quite a few very, very late goals. Um, let's try and pick out all of the ones from about after the 85th minute. The very first match of the weekend had two of them. Uh, Ignacio Coco put Newell's old boys up, given actually a very, very deserved lead, it has to be said, because they were far better than Kielmes for most of the match, and it was just you were thinking, are they going to get this win? Because if they do, then they'll deserve it. He made it 1-0 in the 88th minute, and then three minutes after that, first minute stoppage time, Rodrigo Gomez scored just a beautiful free kick from 
25, 30 yards, and it went straight into the very, very, very far top corner, just kissed the woodwork maybe on the way in. It certainly would have done if it had been any further um, away from the middle of the goal. Um, so those were two there. You've got an 88th minute goal for Lanus to make it 2 0 against Gymnasia on the same evening. Um, the latest goal in Vélez Belgrano was in the 72nd minute, but Independiente's last one was in the 82nd, and I did say 85th or afterwards, didn't I? That we're counting, so that doesn't count. But San Miento's winner came in the 92nd minute, so that's another one. Um, Union for, was 82nd minute. Union got the, third, the three, three 83rd, was... yeah, according to, yes. to this side that we're looking at. But yeah, that was a late one, but not quite late enough to make our cut. Defensa Justicia equalised late on at home to Racing, that was the 85th minute. And Banfield got two. Um, because possibly one of the, the matches of the round, if we take out the 3-3 draw, was Estudiantes, who were leading Banfield 1-0 and were looking like just doing it what Estudiantes do, just getting the clean sheet and, and taking the points. Um, and then were hit for, well, for two, but really hit for six late on um, by Lucas Viatri, first of all, who equalised in the 88th minute, and then Juan Casares, who put them ahead in the 91st minute. Um, which confused me a bit because that was the one match there were three games taking place at the same time and I couldn't watch all of them at once plus I was also watching the end of the um, of Real Madrid against Barcelona um, and I actually at full time tweeted thinking that, that Banfield had just got the late equaliser and then it had finished I didn't realise that Banfield had won until I got a couple of corrections because it, it, it's not very of course uh, uh, very common to from it. last tournament was the other way perhaps to uh, get the, the advantage or perhaps even uh, getting the, 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 the possibilities to score but uh, being unable to score and in this case they went, they scored and when the match was coming to an end so that is like an uh, advance for, for their game because uh, we criticized or we said last last year that they were well yes they play well they are showing good football but they aren't scoring the If you don't score, you can't win. Matias Almeida, after the match, said that it, it showed the, the team's confidence in the game plan. And it also really wins Almeida some confidence, doesn't it, himself as manager, because there was some talk before the match that his job might have been coming under pressure. Um, it seems a bit daft that two late goals that you know might or might not have gone in and doesn't really affect the performance as such... Um, can can give him that extra bit of security. It, it would also seem daft that he could lose that bit of security had they not gone in um, by the same token. Um, but do you think it gives him any longer actually in the job or is he still going to be under pressure? You know, I think that uh, this is like a mouth-shutting result, to put it in, in, in other words, uh, because uh, this shows the character, the the personality and, and, and the way the players really uh, the way the players can defend the, 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 the coach uh, from getting out from the bench is, is this is uh, playing well or playing bad but uh, getting a, a, a late equalizer and even later uh, advantage because mm. uh, they, they are showing that they want to, to, to get the win to get the, the, the defeat the They defeat the, the, the rival and with, by doing it uh, that way is, is a good show, a good way of showing that they are with the, the coach. Because you can say a lot of things uh, that they, uh, when Yenchi was the coach of, at Boca Juniors or, or, or 
or I don't know there, there are a lot of cases in which the, play, the players perhaps you you you, you see a clear uh, uh, lack of attitude attitude and then when the coach is not anymore they run they win they they, they do the, all the things that they weren't doing uh, last last time so uh, in this case I think that it gives fresh air to 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 the work that Almeida is doing. One thing that nobody can say is that Banfield's squad are making the bed for Matias Almeida, as the <laughs> expression goes. That certainly is not what's happening at, at any rate, even if uh, even if he doesn't last much longer. Um, we cannot uh, go without mentioning the probably the main talking point of the weekend, uh, which was, of course, late on in San Juan on Sunday night uh, when Boca Juniors goalkeeper Agustin Orion, I say goalkeeper, but really professional one-man troll as well, um, broke the leg accidentally, it has to be said, of Carlos Bueno, uh, the San Martin de San Juan Ford. Um, I would like to stress accidentally because most of our regular listeners will be aware that both Andres and I are River Plate sympathisers. And some of our regular listeners, if you pay attention to the Argentine football media as well, will be aware that there's been quite a discussion in the last couple of days about whether Agustino Rion is a mala leche. I mean, literally means bad milk, but uh, about sport, basically. Whether he was coming out to deliberately try and injure Carlos Bueno. And both Andres, I think Andres anyway, and, and I, um, from what we were saying beforehand, seem to agree that that's not the case. I mean, Orion is a mala leche, <laughs> but he's not. he wasn't trying to break Bueno's leg. We can say that he had very very bad luck uh, in on, on injuring a, a, a workmate because he's a, a, a rival in the in the match, but then he's a, a, a workmate, uh, so it's impossible for a for 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 him to think he's a bad milk or malaleche. Uh, the problem is that he had already has already been uh, involved in a. In an episode, uh, second in second uh, second round against Temperley, when he almost heads headbats a, a rival. Uh, yeah, I think there was somebody tweeted a stat afterwards saying that Agustino Orion has played something like 187 matches now for Boca Juniors, and in the first 180. Two of them, or 83 of them, he didn't have a single red card, and now he's got. Well, the, the stat that was tweeted was two in his last six. But in fact, of course, he got sent off in the second round, didn't play the third, since played fourth, fifth, sixth. So in fact, it's two in his last four matches. Um, it's quite bizarre. It's slightly surprising that he didn't get sent off earlier because, as I say, he's not a particularly likeable character in spite of the fact that we are defending him on this one instance. He didn't mean to break Bueno's but, leg. But we, we have to, to separate the, the, two, the two, those two sent-offs because uh, the the first one the, against Double A was like a reaction he had against the uh, uh, I don't know the player of Temple A that was involved. In I think that. it was Dineno. Could be Dineno. Well, uh, in that case, he, we we can criticize him because he was not respons- responsible. He was very uh, childish. But in this case, it was a play action, and he mm. uh, had to defend the, the goal. Uh, First of all, and then, uh, unfortunately, he he injured Carlos Bueno, who has uh, uh, has broken his, well, you will say the his tibia and number. his fibula, I think, to the, the two in his shin, the two main bones in his shin. Anyway, I can't. It's tibia and something else. Um, as I say, I, I think he was trying to foul him, 
he clearly wasn't trying to break his leg. And the other uh, slight minor controversy, I would say, because nobody particularly cares about meeting all of the rules in Argentina and doing everything by the book. Um, was Bueno wearing a shin pad? He wasn't, was he? His mm. shin pad. Because he insisted that he was. Yes. And he, the club doctor afterwards said, doctor said he, he was, was definitely wearing them. I took them off when I got to him. And he wasn't. I mean, it was on the front cover of Olé the next morning. There was only one photograph they could have used. Somebody managed to get a photo. One of the photographers managed to get a photograph at the exact moment. And it's a sickening photo because obviously the shin's bending the wrong way. Um, And he's, I mean, there are visibly no shin pads on. Um, Of course, they're claiming that he was because if it comes to light that he wasn't wearing them, then that's, that's a breach in regulations itself. And it makes, you know, Bueno somehow less of the victim and, and makes Orion exon- allows them to exonerate Orion slightly um, the fact is that Orion is likely to get a pretty hefty suspension it's going to be announced probably not until Friday but they're expecting five or six matches um, five is the minimum I think for this think? kind of, of, of actions uh, and I don't know if it will have to do with that is his uh, it's the second time he does. I think that there's an extra. If if you get yes. sent off twice within five matches in the league, um, I think that you get an extra match on the suspension for the second red card anyway, as a matter of course. Um, but yeah, for the injury, it might very well. But talking about Bueno, if he wasn't wearing that uh, cover the, the, his legs, um, isn't a foul a fault fault from the referee not well, to control not to. The referee's not supposed to, to allow the game to go ahead if the players aren't wearing their shin pads. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, and technically it is. But, of course, nobody in San, at San Martín wants to admit that, that he wasn't wearing them. Uh, but it seems I mean, pretty clear to me that, that he wasn't. Obviously, all of the discussion here has been, oh, has he or hasn't he? And without anybody really saying anything, because the media don't want to upset one of the clubs and whatever, but we and, don't need to worry about that. So, And talking about the referees, we can say about that perhaps a bit later about the... Something that the referees are asking for them mm. to well, we will yeah, we will we'll mention that later um, because it is a very very good point indeed, particularly um, with some of the news about the the upcoming round and, and the venues uh, for the matches that are going to be played. That's slightly cryptic at the moment for the benefit of our listeners, but Andres and I are trying to dance around what we're going to to say later on because we don't do this with a, a, a full plan of what we're going to discuss later. Um, Daniel Osvaldo scored again for Boca during that match, a penalty, uh, which is very irritating, as those of you who listen on a regular basis and realise how much we dislike him will be aware. Um, for the, the the foul that led to Bueno's broken leg, by the way, um, it was just outside the box, Orion burst out, and, and San Martin didn't get anything from the resulting free kick, but they did get an equaliser on the night anyway. They, they'd scored it about... 16 or 17 minutes before the foul uh, via Marcos Figueroa. Really, really nice goal, I thought. I mean, if you look it up on YouTube, you're not going to see very much because they've only included the last couple of passes of the move, but it was a nice sort of seven or eight pass move up the pitch, slicing through the left-hand side of Boca's midfield in defence. Um, it looks slightly clumsy, but actually it was a, a really nice kind of flow to it. Um, for a deserved 1-1 draw, Sam Martin, quite aside from all of the controversy that the match generated and everything, were the better side, especially in the second half. To an extent, you'd expect that. If, you, if you're 1-0 up and you're away from home, it's natural that you sit back and, and allow the other team to have the ball. So, of course, the stats don't quite tell the whole story. But they, they deserve the point, I thought. And, and we have to admit that Arroba Barrena is very serious when he talks and when he declares. And, and, and he admitted that, he, that San Martín and San Juan 
would have perhaps deserved a, a win, a victory, mm. and they didn't have a good match or a, a good second half, especially. So, well, we, we missed that from a Boca Juniors coach because the former one was very, very crying, uh, like, uh, well, <laughs> crying about the, the, the throw-ins and the corners and, and, and very small plays. And, and, and we, you, you have now a, a Boca Juniors coach who, well, the rival is uh, pretty is better than, 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 than Boca. He, he says, well, we, we didn't play very well. Or, or the rival was uh, better than us. Yeah, so, well. yeah it's something we, I think we mentioned it after the last league Super Clásico. Um, or it might have been after the Sudamericana semi finals against River. Um, that Aurora Barreno, in fact, it was after the, the semi final because it, it, I remember him being very kind of gracious in defeat and um, uh, without obviously. You know, if you're Boca manager and you've just gone out in a semi-final against River Plate of all clubs, then there's only so much stuff that you can get away with saying before the fans start turning on you yourself. But he was he was very dignified and um, and and straight with the questions he was asked and and didn't sort of throw his tro- toys out the pram. And that's something that's been really a hallmark of Aurora Barrena's um, leadership off the pitch since uh, the Bianchi era, in which Bianchi really didn't seem very much like the Bianchi that we. New and well, in yours and my case, love to hate. <laughs> a even, decade ago. In, even in that case, Arena when when River eliminated Boca from the semi-finals of the Sudamericana and then winning the Sudamericana, when they lost against River or were eliminated, he was in, even making jokes with the journalists. Like, mm. well, he was at ease with his uh, with with his job. And, and when when you have this quality, you you don't perhaps uh, enter. To complain or, or, or to be not to be bothered he was like yes very 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 uh, very good at, at making jokes and, and that stuff moving from San Juan back to Capital Federal and in fact to the wonderful barrio Belgrano where River Plate have their stadium um, they kept a clean sheet which in a way was almost as surprising as Independiente's clean sheet uh, this weekend um, they got a 1-0 win over Godoy Cruz Teo Gutierrez scored the only goal of the match after 21 minutes it was not it must be said a notably better performance from River than some of their recent matches in fact you could even go so far as to say that they didn't play as well as they had done maybe against Juan Alreach the previous um, midweek um, against a, a few of the other matches that they failed to win recently but the important thing for River being in the situation they're in at the moment is that they got the win. Um, it was quite a relief, wasn't it? Yes, and not only that it wasn't their best performance taking into account last year's performance, but also in the second half when River was like, I don't know if tired or, 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 or with fear, but in the air there was a sensation that any loose ball in the box would perhaps end, end with a goal for for Godoy Cruz because it was what that was what has been happening last matches mm. uh, uh, and we have to mention Godoy, uh, Juan Aurich a match in which a River played draw get a, a draw got a draw with incredibly having 15 16 goal opportunities missing all of them and finally getting a draw in the last minute for Juan Aurich, which was ridiculous. Yeah, and that is to say Juan Aurich got the equaliser after 
yes. creating almost nothing throughout the game, and another stupid piece of defending from River, which really is is why the eventual um, three points that they got against Godoy Cruz was such a relief because they actually managed to to see it out. Even then, it's not all good news because um, which were the two players who got uh, in uh, Alvarez Palanta um, was sent on, was he? Or did he start? Yes, no, he was sent on, and then. No, oh, that was against no. Juan Elrich. Yes. yes. I thought it was in the league. I'm misremembering things. Edward Alvarez, Balanta, and, and the other one. Where was injured? Who? Mangioni. Against Juan Elrich. Mangioni, yes, thank yes. you. Um, were, were injured, as was Matthias Kranevita. Uh, it turned out after the match, he, he finished the game, um, but was unable to start at the weekend. So that's another three of Rivers players who were key injuries. And I think that we need to do this out of fairness, because Hunderpod at least pretends to be fair and evenly minded. The clicking that you can hear is me frantically opening up my previews for the coming weekend. Because in the past we have mocked Boca Juniors and we've laughed at them for the enormous number of injuries that they've had in recent years and the lengthy list of players on the treatment table. And we're not going to mock and we're not going to laugh, certainly because we're both River fans, but it has to be admitted that uh, that situation is now very much, although Boca do have an injury table of their own, which is fairly impressive. Um, River this weekend, and indeed tomorrow, because on Thursday night River play Sevilla or Sevilla of Spain in the Copa Euro Americana, which is um, a sponsor-driven, unofficial trophy between the winners of last year's Copa Sudamericana and the winners of last year's um, Europa League, uh, and they're going to have possibly as many as 10 first-team players out. Uh, Gonzalo Martinez and Augusto Solari are both going to be... They're not going to be playing tomorrow and they're doubtful for the weekend. And unavailable, even for the weekend's match, uh, are Marcelo Barrobero, Bruno Uribarri, who admittedly would not normally be near the starting lineup anyway, uh, Leonor Vangioni, Eder Alvarez Balanta, Matias Kranemiter, and on top of that, Camilo Machada, Carlos Sanchez, Teo Gutierrez, and Ramiro Funes Mori are all away on international duty. Um... So the team that River put out away to Gimnasia on Sunday is going to be interesting. <laughs> um, why are River picking up so many muscular injuries? Is this a problem with the pitch? Is it a problem with the training pitch or what? Because we asked this question when Boca started picking them up. We suggested that, that the training pitch presumably needed to, to be resurfaced because so many of them were coming in training sessions. And a lot of River's match uh, um, injuries are coming in home Matches and of course we've spoken in the last couple of weeks about the awful state of the of the pitch that the Monumental is in at the moment. Ankel, uh, Ankel Gasharado, that's the gentleman who's got an avenue named after him. Marcelo Gasharado is what I meant to say. The manager um, has expressed his his disquiet and, and his anger apparently with the club's um, ground staff. They've got to sort the pitch out surely because it's causing. No, I presumably. think no? I think there has nothing or or very little to be to do with with the state of the. Of, of the beach, which now is better, but uh, I think it has to do and and was I think mentioned uh, that it is has something to do with the relax relaxation of the players uh, after winning uh, Copa Sudamericana, they won a local title, uh, then the the Recopa or on the Super Final against San Lorenzo, but uh, and it has to do with the stress with the with the they, they they are they are like pressed. They have a lot of pressure in order to continue continue playing the way they played last year, and perhaps they can't, and that is a lot of pressure for them. And 
de, de Pedro Hansen, I think is the, the, the medician mm. for, for, for River Plate, said it, it's only a strike or a streak. It's not a it's not it has nothing to do with the, the problems with training or, or that they are well when there are a lot of players injured you perhaps well, the, the first thing you do is to criticize the the department the, the medical department or the phys, the physical uh, state of the players because they are they demand they are uh, have a lot of demand in order to, to well to, to the trainings and, and but in this case I think the, that he Uh, talking with media uh, said he, it has nothing to do with the training sessions that it is only a strike and, and, and we have to to take it like like, like that uh, well let's hope he's right certainly on behalf of River fans is, let's hope he's right um, to go through the other big five sides we should mention by the way there's no Copa Libertadores this midweek so just for once you're getting a hand of pod episode that is totally up to date Uh, almost totally up to date anyway, because there are not going to be any matches taking place immediately after we finish uh, recording this evening. Um, the other big five-side results, we've mentioned Independiente already, of course, were San Lorenzo's 1-0 win away to Nueva Chicago, which was richly deserved through a goal from Mauro Matos just after half-time. It was only 1-0, but it could have been 2 or 3, I think, without flattering San Lorenzo. They look like they're sort of back on top. They're second in the table now. And, of course, uh, Racing's 1-1 draw with the late equaliser, for Defensa y Justicia after Carlos Nightclub Núñez, a nickname that, as we mentioned last week, um, sounds better in English than it does in Spanish, in my opinion, because it, it you've got the, the uh, both both words beginning with the same letter. Um, in Spanish, it's Discoteca Núñez. Um, scoring after 27 seconds, the fastest goal of the Primera so far this year. Are we going to see a faster one? Yeah. Are we going to see a faster goal this year in the Primera? Doubtful, isn't it? Difficult to, to see a faster one. Indeed. We shall we'll have to note it down and, and see whether it does happen. Um, so, yeah, well done, Racing. Fairly undignified, or not, not undignified, but unspectacular um, start to the defence of Racing's title. Um, and speaking of the main players in terms of... Go on. Sorry, you know, talking about Racing, you just mentioned the, the draw against the Fesse Justicia. We have to congratulate them. Is their birthday today? Oh, happy birthday, Racing! How old are they? 112 years. It's my word. A lot of. They are old. Yes, by Argentine club standards, that is. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to double check that. I didn't. I, I was completely unaware. Yes. You're quite right. 25th of March, 1903. Yeah. Happy birthday, Racing. Uh, neither English Dan nor Seba, nor Ilan. None of them are here tonight, um, but if you're a Racing fan and you're listening to this, then, uh, well, by the time you hear this, they'll be 112 years and one day old. It would have been a good, uh, a good opportunity to, to hear from them uh, what, it, what does it feel to, to be uh, the supporter of uh, the first world champion club of Argentina. Yeah, first world champion team, in fact, because they yes. won it as well before the, um, the national team did. Yes. Um, but maybe next time we're on, we'll, we'll uh, congratulate them if we remember, which we probably won't. Uh, there are 15 clubs, 30 clubs in the Primera after all, which means that on average, one of them's going to... to oh, blimey. No, hang on, 30, that would be... I shouldn't have started this. At least, yeah, two and a half a month who turn a certain number of years old. Mm. So there you go. Good maths, me. Um, that's harassing. And the other big five team whose result we were going to mention no that's all of them isn't it yes. 
Yes, it is. Good, super. Um, but talking about the main players to, so far at least, to, to succeed Racing as champions of Argentina, we have to mention Rosario Central. Because until this weekend, they had a 100% record. They had won five out of five. And they were playing this weekend just gone against the team who were 30th in the table. Um, and the Argentine league really came up trumps here. Because there is no other league in the world where you can say that the 30th placed team could get a point against the first placed team. Um, and I do mean that. There's literally no other league in the world. And that's because there aren't 30 teams in any other league in the world. Uh, but it happened. Atletico de Rafaela got a 1-1 draw against Rosario Central. They scored first from a penalty through Juan Eluchans. Uh, Marco Ruben... Is it Ruben or Ruben? It's Ruben, isn't it? There's Ruben, no yes. accent Ruben. on the thing. On the U, yes. Um, Marco Ruben scored the equaliser early in the second half for Central. It has to be said uh, that much as we're kind of giving Atletico some credit for getting that point against the league leaders, it was a bloody lucky draw for them. I mean, Central were completely dominant almost throughout the whole match. They repeated the not very very good performance uh, because last last round had they had had got a, a, a very how how to say it very hard uh, victory against Temple mm. 1-0 with a narrow margin not very very wide margin yeah they had to dig deep um, for that but I, I thought yeah you're right I mean they weren't playing as well as they should have done but even then it was still really obvious who were the better team on the, you know yes. not, not just in the match but it was obvious that Central were a class above of course if, of course if, if, if I had uh, to make something a, a preview like you did, I would have also said that Rosario Central is first one against the thirtieth mm. because it's thirty team tournament. Uh, of course, I would have have said that uh, Rosario Central uh, should have got a win. Indeed, I, I was undone unfortunately by so many of the late goals, particularly on the Sunday. Uh, at the end of play on the Saturday, there have been seven matches played, and I had five of them correct. And on Sunday, I didn't get a single one. And I only managed to get one of the three on Monday as well. I think that was the Temple Olimpo match. I can't remember. No, I said Temple. It was the Aldo Civi Union. No, it wasn't. It was San Lorenzo's win against Chicago. That makes more sense. Um, so it was it was disappointing after such a promising start. But still, six is uh, better than three or four. So I was happy enough with that. It's, it's, it's worse for, for anyone who has to do this... This show of, of, of previewing the Primera First Division matches you know, to have more matches. To in preview. theory, I, in a way, it throws up more mismatches. So, so far, I've found there have been more matches that are fairly easy to predict. Obviously, uh, Atletico de Rafael against Central has, has been an exception. But by and large, that's, as you say, it's a match that's fairly easy to predict. You go for the, the, the team first in the table against the team at the bottom, and more times often than not, they'll win it. So there have been kind of more mismatches like that that have gone well. The problem, as much as anything, is that I just it's impossible to watch all the matches. And therefore, I'm kind of going by statistics and match reports, and I don't trust the match reports that much because the journalists are idiots. Um, and so it's kind of difficult to work out exactly how this team did play if you've not actually watched the whole game. And you can't watch the whole game because there are three matches on at the same time. Um, one impressive performance that I did catch at least a decent chunk of was Tigres away to Colón. Now, again, it's Colón, and they're pretty rubbish, um, but Marcelo Larrondo uh, scored the only goal of the game, and Tigre got a very decent away victory there. Um, 
But let's have a look at the standings. And they introduced them into the ten, first ten... They did, yeah, they're, they're eighth. And they've only lost one match. As we say, there are five teams who are unbeaten so far. Uh, and we did mention that we would talk about why Union's record is less impressive than that suggests. Um, the teams who are unbeaten still are Rosario Central, who are first, Boca Juniors, who are third, Lanús, who are fourth, and River Plate, who are fifth. Um, on goal difference behind Lanús, both Lanús and River have got 12 points. Uh, the other team who are unbeaten so far are Union de Santa Fe. They're down in 14th because they have managed to win one match and draw five, um, including, and the five they've drawn have been the last five in a row because the, the one game that they managed the victory in was the very first game um, of the like season. High scoring draws in some cases. They've had a series, yeah. They've. I don't think any of them have been nil nil. I'm going to bring up the sequence. Yes, yeah, so they've, they've drawn 2 2. It, it hit all the matches in order and they got a 1 0 win away to Huracan on the opening weekend, and since then they've drawn 2 2. Away to Nueva Chicago. Uh, sorry, the, the win against Oracan was at home, not away. 2-2 uh, away to Nueva Chicago. 1-1 at home to Lanús. 2-2 away to River. 1-1 at home to Independiente. And 3-3 away to Aldo Civi. So, following that logic, they're going to draw 1-1 with Vélez at home this weekend. And then 4-4 away to Newell's the following weekend, right? That's how it works, is it? Yes. Yeah? And 15-15 with the Estudiantes on the last weekend. Put all of your money on, on those bets. Um, Union have had a, a really bizarre because I mean the thing is when you're conceding that many goals it's not even that you're difficult to beat and yet somehow they've managed to not lose in spite of <laughs> conceding a total of three, four, five, six, nine goals in the last five games um, and they've managed to remain unbeaten and also not to win any which is really bizarre yes. um, but the top how many shall we go down let's go down just the, the top uh, five it's far easier than doing the top ten. No, no. Let's let's go top ten because the top eleven have, have got are all in double figures. Um, so the top eleven at present are Rosario Central on sixteen, San Lorenzo on fifteen, Boca Juniors on fourteen, Lanús and River both on twelve, Independiente, Newell's Old Boys, Tigre, Banfield, Belgrano, and sorry, Independiente, Newell's Old Boys, and Tigre all have eleven, and Banfield, Belgrano, and Estudiantes de la Plata all have ten. Um, there are also one, two, three. There are six teams who are still waiting for their first win this year. And those are down at the bottom of the table. Olimpo, Arsenal, Colón, Crucero del Norte, Nueva Chicago and Atlético de Rafaela. Um, who have at least managed to join Crucero del Norte and Nueva Chicago on two points now. Um, meaning that they're yes. just joint bottom rather than bottom outright. I think after after fifth part of the tournament gone, is is more like a tendency. It's like a trend. You can say that after six rounds, the the teams that are at the bottom are were expected to be at the bottom. Yeah. Not I don't know if not winning any single match, but I'm slightly surprised by Arsenal. But apart from that, yes. I would uh, I'd say that's about right. Um, we're going to play some music now, and we're going to come back. And I'm going to try and mix things up a bit, and we'll see how this works. If if it works nicely, then we might do it again in future episodes. And we're going to start reading out listeners' questions and listeners' sort of feedback after this break slightly earlier in the podcast, so that we have a bit more time to talk about them. Um, and also because uh, Rob, Robert Brown, uh, the, the Robert Brown who I mentioned earlier, did send us a little bit more um, in terms of his comments, I asked him to, um, sent us a little bit more in terms of his comments about why we were being harsh on the newly promoted side. So we're going to kind of, basically I'm going to read them his comments, and uh, read out his comments, and then we're going to discuss why he's wrong. Um, but for now, we're going to refill our glasses, and then we'll come back and we'll answer some listeners' questions and address some listeners' comments. So don't go away. 
Have you watched this ser uh, player shooting free kicks? Serrizuela. No. Huh? Sandona. And Sandona and Serrizuela were. They, 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 they shot the ball so. So, so. Uh, muy fu le pegan fuerte. Mm -hmm. Una forma, pero. Hit it hard. I'm going to leave that in, um, in fact, because Andres, we weren't planning on, on coming back until Andres had finished talking, but that potentially is interesting for our listeners as well. Um, we're watching a very old Independiente Racing Clásico, which they're showing on Fox Sports, because of course there's no live football on this evening for us to watch. Um, how do you spell that name, Andres? Which name? The name of the guy. You just, yes. José Cerrizuela. 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 Can you spell it out for our listeners so they can search for him as well? Is S. E R R Y no I I Ah oh, there it is S C double R I Z U E L A Have a look for him because yes. he you're quite right though he's a hell of a free kick they just they just replayed um, hit the crossbar didn't go in but it was still impressively hit um, we're going to now as I say address some of Robert Brown's comments initially we do have a couple of people who sent tweets prior to that um, but. Uh, I will get back to them in a, in a minute. Rob Brown, and here's the way this goes. He sent us a tweet on, let's see, Sunday, saying, I think Handapod have been harsh on the newly promoted teams recently, but Samiento versus Crucero del Norte did not help my argument one bit. To which I responded, please send us you know, your reasoning on why you think we've been harsh, and we'll read you out, and then we'll tell you why you're wrong. Um, so Rob very kindly did. He says two of the six were unbeaten until this weekend. Sorry, two of the six teams who were unbeaten until this weekend were newly promoted. Um, Argentinos only got beaten this week by another of those newly promoted sides who are also the Copa Argentina winners. That's all I can, of course. Um, and how about that San Martin result last night? They played Boca off the park in the second half. Union versus River in the fourth round as well. And then he says, I'm not saying I think you're wrong, just being a little harsh, especially with the bottom two having both been top flight last season. Um, that is to say, of course, the bottom two. Um, when Rob wrote the tweet on Sunday evening, uh, as opposed to the bottom two now, because the, one of the bottom two now is maybe Chicago, who are promoted. But at the time, I think it was uh, Atletico Colón, maybe. Or Arsenal, I can't remember. Anyway, we know what he means, is what I'm saying. We'll give him the benefit yes. of the doubt on that one. Um, and I can... Are we being harsh? Do you think I'm being harsh, Andres? Well, I, I think we aren't because uh, the, the having not winning a, a match of out of six, of course, it's uh, the, the the tournament is is long, and uh, I I remember Ricardo Silinski, Belgrano coach, saying that this thirty team tournament was uh, perfect for for big teams because yeah, I think he said that just before the first match of the season, didn't he? Yes. Um, and yeah, because they're going to be the ones who are expected to hoover up all the points. They're, they've got but, not less travelling, but bigger squads to cope with it. But I think that up to now, uh, they deserve the, the position that they are they are having. And it could be that Atletico Rafaela uh, last tournament was big, was good, and uh, and and you finally get uh, the very last moment of every team, and you say, well, Rafaela is a cra is crap because. They are uh, showing very poor performance, not winning matches, not scoring almost, yeah. almost not scoring with uh, um, Bastia scoring perhaps the goals that the strikers doesn't. 
Carry on. The strikers don't. So, uh, but I think that that they they at least for the very last teams in the table are are deserve the win the position they have. And I know it's harsh is the word for for the way we are talking about them. The other thing that I perhaps need to clarify is that I'm not necessarily saying that these sides aren't good enough for the Primera in its current form, but the Primera in its current form is ridiculous, and a, a top flight shouldn't be 30 teams big, it should be 18 or 20 or maybe at a push 22, maybe, you know, at a push 22 in a country like Argentina where there are a lot of, of professional clubs, um, Argentina could maybe support a 22-team Primera, but 30 is just too many. And it results in there being, you know, by definition, eight clubs at least who are not going to be good enough for the Primera. Apart, apart from that, there there are uh, some teams that they deserve. If if you talk about the the the, 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 the matches played so far, that deserve to, to stay at first division at least at, up to now at the at oh absolutely yeah. I mean, Uragan, the same for ways, example, when teams uh, get I mean, promoted, it doesn't. They're not always. When a, when a team gets promoted in any division, they don't, they don't straight away show that they're not good enough. Some of them show that they are good enough to be out there. But Crucero del Norte, for instance, had a tricky fixture list initially. They started off at home to Tigre, um, but after that, which probably seemed like a less daunting fixture, but Tigre have had a fairly decent start to the season since. Um, but after that, they had to, to travel to Belles and then host Rosario Central, who, as we know, have, have played very, very well at the start of the season, and then visit Newell's, and they lost all three of those games. Now, OK, those are three games that Crucero del Norte would normally be expected to lose anyway. But since then, they've played Olimpo at home and Sarmiento, neither of whom are particularly good teams. And they've looked crap against them as well. Um, th their home pitch is supposed to be where they're particularly strong. And even there, they've managed two draws, both nil-nil and one defeat. Um, sorry, two defeats, in fact. No, one defeat, yeah, one-nil to Central. Um, so even in, this, in the stadium where they're, they're supposed to be at their very strongest, they don't really look very good. And they're kind of, as I said before, they're kind of the poster boys for, for how crap most of these newly promoted sides are. Nueva Chicago would be easier to put the boot into, perhaps, because they are, in fact, second bottom of the league. Um, but I'm going to just have a quick look, because I have a feeling that they've had a slightly trickier fixture list. No, actually, not notably. Away to Belgrano on the opening weekend was was awkward, but at home to Godoy Cruz, the way Godoy Cruz are playing should have been, a, you know, a, a point-takeable match, and they lost two 0 Away to Gimnasia, Gimnasia playing too well, and they lost that as well. And then of course at home to San Lorenzo is another matter. That's that is a, a much trickier game. Um, and so many of them are just producing dreadful matches as well. Temperley, for instance, are not one of the sides who are without a win. They've managed one victory. There was yeah. a way to, learn, um, to Banfield on the opening weekend. But this coming weekend, for my preview of the Temperley match, I think it's against... Hang on, I'm not going to say I think. I'm going to look up who it actually is against. Where are they? So this coming weekend, they're playing away to Crucero del Norte, and it's the third weekend in a row that my preview consists of basically saying don't watch this match because it's going to be crap uh, this is after they, they played Central in which it was more don't watch this match because it's going to be incredibly one-sided um, and then this Monday just gone when they played Olimpo when I said it was going to be a dreadful match and sure enough it was a dreadful match um, if, you, if you want to say some bad luck because they, they were successful, successful at, at 
turning over results, but mm -hmm. then they they their rival rivals got the draw, like for example against Sarmiento. And they'll still be four games unbeaten. It should be said yes. they lost the first two matches, scoring a lot of goals. They have uh, experienced strikers like Luercio and Sand, for example, Jose yeah. Sand. Uh, and they they, they they got the 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 advantage and they then they couldn't uh, keep keep keep, the, keep it uh, uh, against Aldosivi uh, as I against uh, Sarmiento as I said and this weekend against Union were two yeah. matches in which they started losing then they got the the advantage and then they, again they got the draw uh, they, the the arrivals got so it's draw. kind of in 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 reply to Rob I I don't I'm not saying it try, to try and be harsh it's more just that. Yeah, and in a way as well, I'm, I'm giving it a kicking because it's a symptom of this ridiculous system, this ridiculous new Primera that absolutely nobody thinks is any good and, and it's going to naturally throw up a bunch of teams, as we say, who, who simply aren't good enough. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe we are being slightly too harsh on some of them, but we'll see it ultimately at the end of the, the It's season. like these teams are paying some price for uh, the organisation of the tournament, which is awful. And, and they well, we are at first. They, they can say we are at first division. We are we are playing against River, against Boca, against Independiente, yeah. against San Lorenzo. But then, if but you, how much how much pride can you take in being a first division team when half of the second division was promoted last season? And when they play as a as a in home condition, they their supporters can can watch play playing those teams mm. when before this. This thirty-team tournament weren't uh, available. And in fact, on that note, we may as well now mention that um, the supporters can't watch all of them when they're playing at home because this coming weekend there are going to be four matches played behind closed doors. Um, those matches are, and I'm going to bring up my own Twitter profile now because I need to remember um, exactly which fixtures they were. Gimnasia River is one of them. Gimnasia against two. Yes. No, no. San, San Lorenzo versus Lanús, Godoy Cruz versus Independiente, Quilmes versus Sarmiento, and Tigre versus Defensa y Justicia. So then there are five doors. matches. Gimnasia as well. Sí, yes. Gimnasia River will be also no no crowd allowed. Why uh, is that? I think it was because the some problems against uh, when Gimnasia previous to the Estudiantes match, the 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 Arbara Brava were. Yeah, there were problems in the stands. And th I think that that uh, was. They're, they're looking at the possibility. It says here this is the latest report. So I don't. Well, it might have been well, confirmed since this was since this went online, and I've, I've not seen it yet. I, I, I read the news as it was confirmed, but well, we will wait and see. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, it was the sanction was going to be put in place for the match against Chicago, uh, but Gimnasia appealed, and now it might come into place this weekend so that would be one third of the matches this, this weekend the away fan ban is really having an effect isn't it yeah. making stadiums much safer places to go um, to clarify Enough the San Lorenzo of yeah of course um, the San Lorenzo stadium closure is because of the linesman being hit by the Fernet bottle which was thrown from the crowd during the second leg of the Recopa Sudamericana against River which of course is a Conmebol competition and the reason that the AFA are doing uh, handing down that sanction for a league match is that Conmebol decided not to punish San Lorenzo for that incident um, which is kind of on the one hand it makes you sort of think okay the AFA, the new AFA are at least taking things seriously now but on the other hand you think 
but Conmebol aren't punishing them when somebody hit the linesman with a Fernet bottle. I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, Kilmes and Tigre stadiums are both closed due to basically fighting among the home Barra Brava. And Godoy Cruz is because of the Lanus physiotherapist who was hit uh, by an object thrown from the crowd before their game two weeks ago. So this stuff continues. Apart from that, Nueva Chicago um, play on Thursday evening, or Thursday sometime anyway, against Defensores de Villa Ramacho in the Copa Argentina. Um, it's being played in Huracan Stadium, and there are going to be no Nueva Chicago fans. I don't know whether there are going to be Defensores de Villa Ramacho fans um, but there are going to be no Nueva Chicago fans present because the police have said that they don't fancy providing security for it. And I mean, that's it. And Nueva Chicago's directors claim that they don't know why this is and that in protest of the police's decision, they're not going to attend the match either, for which it looks like AFA are going to punish them because they're directors, they've got to be at the game. I mean, this is just ridiculous. In the middle of that, last Sunday, uh, the, the match we mentioned against, uh, between... Rafaela and Central, there was an, an episode, of course, fortunately with no consequences, mm. uh, but it was uh, uh, it was very, very hard. It was uh, a, a roll of paper hit by, uh, by Atletico Rafaela supporters, or one of them, hitting uh, Delfino, who was the referee, chest. And... What the, what the referees are asking for is to have the the will to have the power to suspend the match when they they are hit or when anyone is hit by something by the by supporters because up to now they have to ask the player or the coach or whatever whoever is hit if he can, can continue and if he if he says he can he must follow up the match yeah so they are asking for have to have the power in order to suspend the match when at the, the at the very very first episode like this, not to well if they, there is because uh, the other day was the Fino said the point, if one of the officials is hit they want the power to suspend it yes. off their own bat without you know needing to ask themselves can I carry on yes. because as as one person put it it's not. Um, the referees shouldn't shouldn't be doctors. They shouldn't be having to ask the the, the club doctor can he continue and then decide themselves. They should be able to say. Delfino you know, was in, in in the in the pitch in the floor lying with the with, with pain and when he went when stood up he said well we can if there is any more uh, any other thing that is thrown from the from the stands we finish the match we suspend it if there is. Well, and, and the, the reasonable thing would be not, not to wait for another thing to be thrown, but mm. to suspend it at the very first thing thrown. Well, this is this is not happening, and they are asking AFA, well, they are asking AFA uh, to give them the power to suspend the match uh, at the very first thing that is, because uh, supporters what what they what do, what they must have been thinking. Well, we, we throw anything to that, uh, so they, they don't suspend the match and this uh, this is uh, something out of control and yeah. we control the if the match is, is is suspended or not. So they they are they are asking for 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 Afa to to put on their long pants to say it in I don't know if it's 
to wear the trousers, basically, yeah. Um, absolutely. Um, we were now, that was a very, very roundabout answer to Rob's question, but I hope we managed to sort of address his points at some point about whether we were being harsh on the newly promoted sides or not. I think we did. Anyway, um, and we're now going on to some of the other questions. Phil Coles, or possibly Coles, um, no, it's, it'll be Coles, won't it? Phil Coles says, uh, after watching Crucero del Norte park the bus whilst drawing 1-1 at Sarmiento, how many points are they going to need to stay up? And is it possible that more than two teams are going to be relegated this season? The answer to the second of those questions is, no, it's not possible because the regulations are already in place and they're not going to change them halfway through the season. The answer to the first question, how many points are they going to need to stay up, is more than a third of a point per match, which is what they've got at the moment. Two points from six games. Obviously, the, the promedios, the relegation points average, are still in place. Um, and that addresses a question I think somebody else asked, or possibly a question that somebody asked on my own um, Twitter feed, rather than to hand of pod directly, uh, a couple of days ago. Um, the promedios still take place. They're going to be looking at... For this season, they're going to be taking into account the 2012-13 season, that is the Inicial and the Final, the 2013 Inicial and the 2014 uh, Final, the 2014 Torneo de Transición, which was the half championship, the half-year championship that Racing won at the end, second half of last year, and this whole 2015 season. Um, at the moment, the bottom two teams are Nueva Chicago and Crucero del, del Norte. Um, with both two points from six matches, which is point three 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 of a point, uh, just above them are Tempele with no sorry, a Colón with half a point per match, three points from six games, and then Tempele with five points from six games, and everybody else has got one point per game or more. So, at the moment, at least, it looks as if if you can average a point a game, you're going to be safe, staying up. So thirty points over the course of this season should be okay. Um, but of course it gets complicated if other teams start winning and you never know exactly. I think that we could very well... Normally the, the rate for survival is somewhere around the point a game when we had the 20-team Primera. The way that this season started, it looks so far like half a point a game might be enough to keep them up. I don't know what, what you think, Andres, whether you've had the chance to look into this from a mathematical point of view. But uh... Well, I think it's very, very difficult to calculate right now but uh, yes uh, I, I think that the, the, the average takes into account the, the points that they got in the last season but in this case Crucero Norte will divide per the, the, the these 30 teams tournament only yes exactly all of the newly promoted sides are only dividing by it, it's the last three and a half Yes. Uh, consecutive seasons in the Primera so all of the newly promoted sides are only dividing by this current championship uh, the teams who just got promoted six months ago in other words Independiente Banfield and uh, Defensa Justicia um, are dividing by the Torneo de Transición plus this current championship uh, but in the case of the newly promoted sides which obviously includes Cruzeiro del Norte who um, uh, who fill uh, was mostly asking about the case of the newly promoted sides. If my guess at roughly half a point per match is correct, 15 points that's one five points is going to be enough to keep you in the Primera for next season. Again, it's only for another transitional season, and then we've got another half season in the first half of 2016, at the end of which the most likely situation at the moment is that four teams will be relegated 
and only two will be promoted. So we'll have to wait and see for that one, but at the end of 2015 at least, um, 15, but that's a complete guess because the, the points average table really doesn't give you very much room uh, for working out what's going to be a roughly safe uh, points total at the beginning of the, of the year. But I reckon 15 points could see them safe. 15 or 50? 15. 15. Quince. Very low total, isn't it? But I mean, in terms of what it is at the moment, neither of them are, neither Nueva Chicago nor Crucero del Norte are on course to get 15. Maybe up it a little bit if, if they have a decent run. You could say that possibly 20 points, 25 points could be enough to keep you up, which over 30 matches is remarkable, less than a point a game. Um, it's a poor average by anybody's standards. Uh, Joseph Sexton says are there any particularly good books out there on the history of Argentine football now I'm going to pass this to you first Andres because I know that Joe uh, Joseph speaks Spanish so first of all are there any in Spanish yes there are but I will look for the best one because I don't remember right now the names of it of them the best one so. according to um, sometime or one time Handapod guest and Buenos Aires football historian Esteban Beckerman um, is this collection that was published in about the 1950s uh, called oh god I can't remember what it's called but I can't remember who it's written by either um, but it was a history of Argentine football up to that point and that is still seen as kind of the gold standard um, in terms of stuff in English and, and the other thing it has to be said is that a lot of Argentine football history books have been written with very specific aims in mind. There are there are history of River Plate or a history of San Lorenzo or a history of national team left backs or national team centre backs or whatever. There's nothing really that's just overarching and so the obvious name to mention is that Jonathan Wilson, friend of Hand of Pod, uh, he's been on several times, um, is currently what writing on and I think he's handing in his first draft for it fairly soon. Um, a book called Angels with Dirty Faces, which is expected to be published before Christmas, which is an English language history of Argentine football, and I think is quite likely to be, to be honest, translated into Spanish, and will probably sell quite well because there isn't really anything that is just the whole sweep and is a very general history um, uh, of the kind of thing that, that Joseph is presumably asking about. Also, La Nación newspaper used to release, but I, I mean, 20 years ago, for mm. example. A, 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 an extra from the newspaper that you bought, you had to have put, of, of course you had to pay, and they was very decent books of history of football, uh, divided into parts, and uh, every week it came with a, a period of time. For example, one, uh, 1920 and up to 35, and that, and they it was several uh, number number of, of books that uh, were pretty pretty decent and uh, I, I used to have them and at my my mom's house so yeah uh, I, I will I will look for them and, and then recommend if they are they are because they were good good enough to this is the kind of stuff that also yes. if, if you're familiar with Argentine eBay which is a site called Mercado Libre um, and again if you speak Spanish and you're prepared to order stuff and if they do do ship shipping internationally um, that you might be able to track down on there um, but which I mean frankly good luck finding it from Europe maybe yes. I think Joseph now lives in Spain so maybe in Spain uh, some of the Argentine um, emigrants there might, might be able to, to track something down um, but in terms of what's available in Europe not very much and in terms of what's available in English oh we should mention 
uh, another hand of pod guest, Neil Clack, who has written the history of Argentina versus in England um, by interviewing a whole load of Argentine players about the rivalry in an in international level. Um, but in terms of a general history of Argentine football, you've got to wait until this November, December for Mr. Wilson's book, I'm afraid. Um, Darren Spherical, Hispanospherical, asks... Just to say, in response to what was floated on the podcast last week, I would not mind hearing a five-minute Argentine football history segment. Um, I often think of asking questions that are his- historical but seem irrelevant to what's typically up for discussion. So just to reiterate, if anybody does have any questions about Argentine football history, please feel free to to tweet them in. Maybe not on the day that we record, maybe try and tweet them a couple of days before so that I can see them and we can try and prepare a little bit about them, particularly if, if it's about a, a team who one of us supports or whatever, I can try and sort of warn people that it's going to be up for discussion and, and we can prepare ourselves a bit, because um, we're, we're always happy to talk about it, it it's one of the things that we don't do enough of. Ursus Actos says, are people in Argentina paying any attention to the friendlies in the US or is the money grab too obvious? Andres? How much attention are you going to be paying to them as an Argentine? Well, it's true that money is important, of course. But everybody knows that already, right? Yes. Uh, but uh, if you t- take into account that they are, they are almost, unless they, are, they invent a, 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 a very before the, a, the, the, the Copa America is started, a new, new friendlies, these, these ones are the last ones. Up, up after before the, the Copa America is is being is will be played so uh, will be important because of that because perhaps Gerardo Martino wants to to put Manquesho we we don't know but uh, they will be impo- important because of, of they are they are the immediate friendlies before the Copa America and, and that is important in order to. Uh, for Martino to, to, to see if they, he can uh, start to define the team for facing that that, that important competition. Yeah. Uh, uh, changes will be made after this tour, uh, friendlies in the case of a, an injured or a very, very good or bad performance, but I think that uh, the, the list is more or less the one we said two episodes before. When Martino yeah. uh, released the, 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 the calling up list. In terms of how much attention gets paid to them whilst they're being played, I mean, normally people don't pay a hell of a lot of attention to friendlies because often um, if they're being played in Europe, they're played during working hours. Obviously, these ones being played in the States, it's quite possible that people are going to be home from work already by the time they're, they're played, and so they might be watched a bit more closely. They're not going to attract the same attention that a competitive Argentina match does. Um, but certainly people are going to be aware that they're taking place and yeah I mean they're going to pay as much attention as anybody else does to a friendly involved in their country um, Darren Paul has a couple of questions he asks uh, what went on with Racing this weekend they look very static I think that's precisely it basically they, they weren't that great Defensive was this year deserved the point and nothing special about the no I, I, Diego Milito's continued absence I think it, sometimes they look really good and they look like it, it's not affecting them at all and then sometimes they'll have a match like that where the attack just loses that focal point and they don't have the same um, points they kind of rotate around uh, he is expected to come back this weekend so that might change things um, but yeah I mean they're, they're kind of a team who rely on him to they're a decent team in their own right but they rely on him to a certain extent in terms of the attack and so when he's not playing it can make a difference 
Uh, Darren also asks, can we, can we expect a stadium ban for Atletico de Rafaela after Delfino was hit? I think yes. the answer is absolutely yes, but we probably won't hear about it for about a week um, because, of course, they're playing away this weekend. But more, more important, I think, is from a suspension or ban of a stadium, which has been... Uh, AFA has been doing that and, well, no asometro or, 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 or playing... Su- suspending or banning the stadium or even playing the match with doors closed, which would be more or less the same. But the match after, there is also a, a, a supporter throwing, throwing something. So most important is the thing I have said before. If finally AFA g- uh, gives referees the power to suspend the match at the very first thing that is thrown into the pitch, mm. uh, and not, uh, well, you are okay, you can continue, okay, we continue. No, that's not the the right thing because this, the, the ones that want to 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 hit a, a, a player, a referee, a coach, they, they think that, they feel that they can do it. And, and as well as suspending the match, because, you know, suspending the match here very frequently means that you just end up replaying or, or playing the rest of no, the match no, at a later date. We're losing points. Award the points to, yes. the, to the away team in this case because it's never going to be the away team's fans throwing things onto the pitch, is it, because they're not in the stadium. Um, that would help as well. Darren's has another question. In fact, he's got a couple more questions. Uh, he first of all he says, "Who is everybody's favourite reggaeton and bachata performance?" Um, Darren and English Dan and I were having a bit of a discussion about reggaeton and bachata a few days ago, um, and I think it's a silly question which we're not going to answer. Although Johnny, uh, our frequent listener, I've just retweeted that question and he answers Perry Como, which suggests to me that Johnny doesn't know about reggaeton or bachata, but. Sorry, uh, well, Romeo Santos has been singing here at the Monumental. That's precisely what started the conversation, yeah. Yes, uh, but sorry, I, I have to say that I, I, not 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 to be like pretend to be like cocky or something like that, but I, I like uh, uh, indie rock, alternative rock, and grunge, and uh, I don't see, I don't like to to. Well, of course, Romeo Santos has been here, or we seen in Chandel. Could be popular bachata or reggaeton singers. Darren is also asking, I think, slightly to wind me up because I told him the other night I really hate bachata. I'm a, I'm a big salsa fan and I like salsa. Bachata is awful. Pitbull is some, um, some other... And reggaeton is, yeah, I mean, reggaeton's interesting at times, but generally not a fan. I'm going to say Daddy Yankee anyway. Look up Daddy Yankee, people. Um... Darren's final question, I think it's his final question anyway, it's his final one of this little round of tweets that we're going through, uh, says, in a, mark round, in, a, in a round marked by some absolute pingers, what was your goal of the round? For me, it's nightclub Nunez against Defensa Justicia. That's a bit ironic, given that he's criticising Racing for being too static. Um, but we have decided, in a very scientific appraisal of all of the goals of the round before recording, um, that our favourite, I think, is Rodrigo Gomez. The free kick for Kilmes late equaliser against Newells, and also um, what was the other free kick that you marked? Malcorra, on? Malcorra for Union against Aldo Civi. The second Malcorra one. The yeah, third, the... Uh, second of for him and the third one of, of uh, Union. Yes. There we are. So those two. Although there were some very very good ones, as I said earlier, I think San Martin's goal against Boca, although you won't see it if you look it up on YouTube, uh, was a really really nice move, um, and there were one or two others as well. Uh, Chris Murtag asks Nicolas, Nicolas Bertolo should he be recalled to the Argentine national team? 
Well, it's... This doesn't really come across on uh, the podcast medium, but Andres is sort of shrugging and, and pulling a funny face. So I'm not sure whether he's sure. It's a question mark. It's in a... I, I'm going to go with... I mean... I'm going to go with no. I mean, it, it doesn't say very much about the standard of defender available to uh, Argentina. The, the, the way, the way he's say. playing is, is, is okay, but uh, he, for local uh, stage, if you have to, to, to call, some, call someone up from the local stage at that position, there is Mancuesha already, and they play similar... Not I don't I don't think if if sorry yeah I said defender I meant midfielder yes I'm I I, I don't uh, know if they play they will play exactly at the same position if they will if both were called happen to be called up for the national team but uh, if you watch them play for Banfield for Independiente they are playing more or less the same position mm. so in that case Manquecho has been deserving long time a call up and, and if you have to choose between Manguesho or Bertolo, of course, Manguesho is the, is the one. Yeah. Chris, Chris also asks, if not, would he be uh, recalled to the Argentine national team if he was a, at a better club than Banfield? And I think that's an interesting question, because as we kind of said a week or two ago, there's been a lot of talk for the last six months or so about whether Manguesho should be called up here in Argentina about it. But we found it all slightly laughable, because, I mean, of course he shouldn't be. And yet now he has been, because he's at one of the big five, Buenos Aires-based club, um, and you know it has to be said playing very very well I'm not trying to say he's a bad player um, but it's kind of an interesting call up for that reason and so would he be if he was at a bigger club than Banfield depending on how much of a better club or bigger club then possibly you know I mean if he, if he was at Real Madrid or Man United then yes he'd be in the Argentine national team but every time for example, he's we, we discussed this last last episode that for example Ramiro Fulzmori has been called mm. called up and he's not at his best moment and he admitted that he's not at his best uh, form so uh, you can expect to be or not to be will be will depend on the moment of any of, of the other players because for example Fernando Gau has been injured that's that's why Vanquesho has been called up and, and even though they aren't they don't play exactly the same position uh, Gago was injured, and that's why Manquesho has been called up. That's the that's the the, the, the answer. I mean, indeed. Sorry for the momentary pause and the clicking in the background. It's because I was googling uh, or I was checking through my internet history um, for the answer to this next question. Because the next question is from Andreas. Um, who asks, do you think anybody from the Primera is missing for the national team this weekend? Um, to which there are two things. First of all, it's not whether we think, it's a matter of yes or no. Um, and secondly, the answer is yes, there are ten teams who are going to be losing players to not just the Argentine national team, but various others this coming weekend. And we will now go through them all, since Andreas has asked. Um, River have, as we already said, 40, four players called up for national team duty. Camilo Machada. And Carlos Sanchez are both away with Uruguay. Teo Gutierrez with Colombia. Ramiro Funes Mori has been called up incredibly by Argentina. Um, Eder Alvarez Balanta has also been called up by Colombia, but of course he's got a broken or fractured shin, um, so he's not travelling. Uh, he's unavailable due to injury. Um, Boca are going to be without uh, another Uruguayan international, Nicolas Lodeiro. Um, and Jose Fuensalida has gone with the Chilean national team. And also, in their playing against Estudiantes this weekend, uh, that is Boca playing Estudiantes, not Uruguay and Chile playing Estudiantes, um, and Estudiantes are going to be with that Alvaro Pereira, 
Uh, Fernando Gago is another player who was called up by Argentina but hasn't travelled due to injury. Um, Federico Manquesho, as we've just mentioned, they're going to be uh, is, is going to be with Argentina. Oscar Romero for Racing um, has been called up by Ramon Diaz, of course, the, the new Paraguay manager, um, uh, who's also called up Marcos Cáceres of Newell's Old Boys, and Maxi Rodriguez of Newell's has also been called up by Argentina. Jerry Bengston, the Belgrano, is a striker, isn't he? We don't yes. see much of him. He tends to come Jerry off the Bingston. bench. Yes. He's, he's not bad, but he tends to come off the bench for them. Um, he's been called up by Honduras. And we also have, uh, let's see, Gustavo Gomez of Lanús has been called up for Paraguay. Jorge Rojas of Chile has been called up um, by, sorry, from Godoy Cruz for Chile. And, uh, no, sorry, Jorge Rojas of, of Gimnasia has been called up by Chile. And Jaime Ayobi of Godoy Cruz has been called up by Ecuador. So those are the players who are missing due to international duty this weekend. Um, that's a very quick answer to Andreas's question, but he also asks, how good is Mariano Pavone? It has to be said, doesn't look as good as Lucas Prato. To absolutely nobody's surprise. Um, how good he means he's good, or 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 how is he? No, I think he's asking us about his level because he's, he actually asks how good or how bad is Pavone, um, and the answer is, I mean, he's so far he's been pretty underwhelming as I think we all expected him to be. It's very big boots to step into. Um, he's replacing, of course, indirectly replacing Lucas Prato, who's moved to Atlético Mineiro. Um, in Brazil, and he just doesn't really look. At up this to moment, stand. the the best best surface striker is, is the other one. is Milton Caraglio. Yeah, but again, I mean, he's this is relatively speaking because Vélez started very well with Caraglio scoring in the first couple of matches, and indeed Vélez winning the first couple of matches. But even at that point, we were already starting to question just how good Vélez really were because they had a relatively easy start, and since then, um, they have drawn two and lost two without a win in four matches now and they're struggling they're not looking too good for goals they scored four times in the first two matches and since then they've scored three in the subsequent three uh, sorry three in the subsequent four um, so basically nobody at Vélez in attacking positions really looks all that good at the moment um, Sasha asks are there noticeable tactical differences this year does the 30 team league cause more teams to play attacking football I don't think it does No. I think if anything the knowledge that only two teams are going down it's causing quite a few teams to think, you know what, a point's probably going to be enough in this match. Let's go for the draw. Um, especially when two of the, the teams lower down the table meet. We are seeing plenty of goals, but I don't think that's to do with the with the difference in the size of the league. Um, and Andreas then comes back to ask, why on earth is Maxi Rodriguez still with the national team? Andreas, you're Argentine. Would you like to feel Because I think that the Newell's connection there is... Is still strong with Martino as a manager. Yeah, he's not. He's He's also a reliable performer, right? I mean, it's not like he's playing awfully. Yes, he's not bad, and he Martino knows him well, and and the same as thing happened with more uh, play, even more players when Sabella was the coach, and he played former estudiantes, a lot of former estudiantes players, because he knew them from from there. Andreas also asks, what is River's status like this season? And is their league campaign going to suffer because of the Libertadores since they have a couple of tough matches ahead of them? The answer to his first question is they're basically... I mean, for all of the talk that we've had about how they're struggling to find their feet and everything, they are fifth in the table um, and only four points off the lead. So it's not like they're doing too bad. They're also one of the only one of five teams left unbeaten. 
So they're not doing awfully, but they have dropped down a level noticeably um, in their play. And of course, the Libertadores is, as Andreas quite rightly says, is taking up a lot of their um, thoughts. They were they've not done anywhere near as easily in this group as they were expected to and I think in the next couple of rounds particularly with all the injuries they've got they're not going to be able to rotate as much and as a result the league form's going to have to suffer because they simply have to prioritise the Copa Libertadores in the next two matches don't they? uh, they, they've uh, got to win both of them and hope that the result goes the right way with one out, with at least one of Juan Aurich's matches I don't want to say for sure but they will likely or Gachardo likely, will likely promote promote players from the Fourth division. Mm. In fact, they are. He's doing That's that. To say like the under 19s or something, isn't it? Or the under 20, the under 18s or something. Yes. Uh, in fact, they are. They, they they will. He will do that for tomorrow match against friendly match against Sevilla. Yeah. Uh, he will introduce Federico Vega into the first team. I think he will be stopper left. And also Drius is playing in midfield, isn't he, tomorrow, I suppose? Yeah, he, he's... Which is... I, I, he's, I think Drius is... I've not seen that much of him, but he's a forward, isn't he? Why is he playing midfield? Yeah, yeah but he has been playing at that position in the under-20s okay. pre, pre-Olympic tournament. And, and for River also, not the best position for him, but mm-hmm. it's not strange. It's not like, for example, Funes Mori playing as a centre midfielder. No, he, sure. He has been playing in that, that position. Uh, Neil Powell says, why do River seem incapable of killing teams off? I think a lot of it comes from the, the confidence in, in the backline. They've been conceding too many goals and that means that they're not able to, to throw as many forward. But also, Teo Gutierrez's game has fallen off a cliff since the new year. He, he just doesn't look like a player with the same confidence when he gets one-on-one as he used to have. I mean, it wasn't like he was clinical before. He frequently missed a lot of chances, but he never seemed to lose confidence as a result of that. And for whatever reason, now he doesn't look... This is strange, because uh, last uh, Copa Libertadores match against Juan Aurich, that we mentioned, he l- missed a lot of opportunities. Eight hit or the nine. woodwork three times. Yes. He, he hit the both posts and the, and the bar, and then another four or five options mm. to score, and he didn't. Uh, and in this Sunday, he uh, missed a penalty against Cody Cruz. Then yeah. he scored... So it was like uh, very very strange. It was like like uh, uh, like he he was emotionally uh, with with the willing to score, but he couldn't take the penalty. Then he did. So it was yes like uh, coming and going. Uh, yeah, and he's he's been like that, and that really does affect River, especially when he's essentially undroppable uh, because they made such a big thing of keeping him over the summer. Um, and the other the final question of the evening. Is another River-related question. Liam Kelly, who is no relation, as I always say, uh, says that given his recent performances, should Leonardo Ponzio be starting ahead of Matias Kranovito? Because Kranovito has not looked the same since but, he's uh, come back. Injury. is injured, so up to well, now. he's injured now, but yes. I mean, it, what Liam means is, given Kranovito's performances before he got injured last last Thursday against one outreach, should Ponzio maybe be starting ahead of him? I, I, I'd say yes. I mean, I think Kranovito yes. could use a bit of a, a kick up the arse and a bit of... Because Poncio, extra training, maybe. I don't know whether he came back and just wasn't fully fit before he came back. But yes, because the thing that is that Poncio, apart from his experience, he's like he's like shows the the other the, his teammates uh, something like to how do you say to to contagiar uh, to infect or I mean contagiar is is to be contagious. So yeah, I mean he, he sort of drills that into his teammates. Yes, to, to, and they, to, they play better yes. around him as well. Uh, I'd, I'd go with Andres and, and, and Liam's implication 
um, as well. And, and would say, at the moment, yes. I mean, I wouldn't make Cranometer completely out of the question, but I think he maybe could use a, a spell on the sidelines just to give him, as I say, a kick up the arse. Um, the next music, ladies and gents, that you hear is Mystic Sam's theme music. And the next thing that you hear after that are Mystic Sam's predictions for the weekend to come. Mystic Sam last week, as I mentioned earlier, got 6 out of 15, having started magnificently with 5 out of the first 7. So hopefully, a promising start this weekend will be continued through the rest of it, but we shall see. Because that's right, there are matches this weekend, in spite of the fact, as we said last week, that AFA promised that there wouldn't be any during FIFA dates. Don't think we've not remembered, AFA. Uh, here we go. Quilmes versus Sarmiento, I think is going to be a draw. Rosario Central, who are still the league leaders in spite of their 100% record going, are at home to Colón, and I think that they're going to get a victory. Olimpo de Bahia Blanca are playing Atletico de Rafaela, which I think is going to be a draw, and I'm not really sure it's going to be all that good a match either, so don't bother watching. Banfield versus Huracan is going to be a draw as well. San Lorenzo versus Lanús, I think is going to be, I'm sticking my neck out here, I think it's going to be a Lanús win. San Lorenzo are going to have half a, half an eye on, or one eye, on the upcoming Libertadores match, which they've got the following on the 1st of April, uh, which is why, because they really have to win that, so it wouldn't surprise me if they just took their eye off the ball slightly. Crucero del Norte versus Temperley is going to be the worst match of the weekend by a long distance, and it's going to finish nil-nil, probably, but definitely a draw. Belgrano versus Newell's Old Boys, I think, is also going to be a draw. Lots of very even matches so far. Boca Juniors versus Estudiantes, is going to be a draw. Not very often that I go for Boca at home to not win, but this is going to be one of them. Gimnasia versus River Plate, I think, is going to be a draw. If River were anywhere near full strength, I'd make them full. I'd make them favourites, but they're not anywhere near full strength, so draw. Uh, Godoy Cruz versus Independiente, I think, is going to be an Independiente victory. Racing versus San Martín de San Juan should be a Racing victory, so a good weekend for those who live in Avellaneda. Union de Santa Fe versus Vélez Sarsfield is going to be another draw. Arsenal de Sarandí versus Aldo Civi is another draw, yet again. Tigre versus Defensa Justicia will be a Tigre victory. And Argentinos Juniors versus Nueva Chicago, the very last match is going to be played at something like 10 past 9 on Monday night, is going to be an Argentinos Juniors win after their thumping defeat away to Huracán last weekend. Andres, any thoughts on the upcoming week's action? Which, of course, is going to have four matches played behind closed doors, possibly five. A lot of even, even matches. Uh, up to, uh, at least the preview is, is the, that there will be a lot of draws. I think. Yeah, they almost never actually end up being draws, so I'm not really confident that I'm going to get a very high score this coming weekend. Um, but I can't pick winners in too many of the matches, unfortunately. Yeah. So far, we have had... Oh, no. Well, varying. We've had two draws out of 15 in the first round, seven out of 15, so almost half the match in the second round, and then five in the third, nine in the fourth, four in the fifth, and six in the sixth, according to universalfootball.com, which is where we get most of our stats from. Um, come back next week, and we will tell you how well Mystic Sam did, and we will also be telling you, because I think it's a week tonight, 
uh, possibly live commentating or possibly not being able to tell you anything at all about San Lorenzo's decisive Libertadores match or potentially decisive Libertadores match is their fifth no fourth do you get more than group since the this 30 team tournament has started you... well I'm getting more right but I don't know when the percentage is any better <laughs> Because of course it's you know six out of ten is not as good is much better than six out of fifteen, um, but I've I've been uh, mixed so far I would say. Um, but thank you very much for listening to us again as ever, listeners. Thank you very much to the Argentina Independent for providing our fernet. The Argentina Independent is a very good source of English language news from Argentina and also across Latin America, and they've got lots of other cultural and sporting and all that kind of stuff as well. So check them out for free at argentinaindependent.com. Thank you again for the fernet, and thank you very much for your presence tonight and for providing an alternative voice to my own, Andres. Thank you. Thanks to you. And goodbye, and hopefully see you next week. Goodbye. And it's thank you and goodbye as well from me. Goodbye. (laughs) 